True Crime Squad. This is Katie Weaver, and I'm here with not Christy. <laughs> I'm here with my guest host for the week, my husband Scott Weaver. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for joining me. Yeah. Sorry I couldn't uh, make it yesterday. I know we did miss Tuesday, and we're sorry. We recognize that uh, that worried some of you, and uh, we had some messages, and yeah, we're sorry about that. We didn't mean to worry anybody. Just so much going on and uh someone had a lot of work yesterday uh scott and kind of messed us up but it's all right we're here now yeah it's all right it's all good but we're here so and you may hear a 3d printer in the background there's just nothing we can do about it (laughs) we have been printing this enormous dragon this bones dragon for the initial print took five days, six days. It was supposed to be four days and 16 hours. It was a little I more than think that. That's but... all it went, but oh, it's crazy. So now we're printing the wings and they're just as long. Well, not just oh, as one, long, but... one day and eight hours is what it said. Okay. All right. Fine. fine. Yeah. So anyway, this printer, uh, and it's a brand new one that we hadn't homed yet. Uh, where it will go, so it's in Scott's office right now, just humming happily away. So if you hear it, that's what you're hearing. If you hear dogs bark, that's also what you're hearing. <laughs> dogs barking. Tip- typically, I'm not here on you know on the air like this, so mm-hmm. my office doesn't have to be quiet. Right, but now it does for a minute. Well, thanks for joining me. It is Wednesday, so. Of course, we have Wednesday's episode. We'll be back tonight. I will. Not Scott. He has to umpire. He'd rather be here, I can tell. Uh, (laughs) But I'll be back for case updates. And then tomorrow night, we'll be back, uh, for those of you that subscribe, for the Psychic Hour at 7 Mountain uh, for marching orders. So that's all that's up. We've been so busy getting ready for a witch's market that we're doing uh, Thursday night that, oh my goodness, I don't even know if we've slept in days. Seems like by like 11 o'clock, we're looking at each other going, did you make dinner? No, did you? Mm-mm. Hmm. <laughs> it's been one of those true. kinds That's of true. True, true. Yeah. Someday we're going to have to clean our house and cook food. But for now, we're just making lots of cool stuff. So there's a trade-off. After the fair. After the fair. Saturday, yeah. Sunday. Yeah. That's when it'll happen. In the meantime, we have a lot of cool stuff happening. And if you're local to Idaho Falls, or even kind of, come on Thursday night to Healing Hands to the Witch's Market from 6 to 9. It's going to be really fun. And we've got a lot of amazing stuff coming, in my opinion. Yeah. So I was making candles earlier tonight, spell jar candles, and using uh, powdered sandalwood. And it's just, that stuff just goes like in your pores. It's, It's become me now. It's all I can smell. Good thing it smells amazing. But yeah. Because that's like that's it. <laughs> well, did we're you, gonna do did you oh come get some uh powdered off my desk? No, I had some. 
Oh, I was going to say, because I have that uh, raw wood. Um, oh, yeah, the little. What is that? The, they're the they're the little wood that you trim off. Oh, yeah, off. Palo Santo. I didn't know you did. Yeah, Palo Santo. Yeah. Oh. That you trim off and make your own. Yeah. Oh. And I even have it here in a cup in powder form already. Wow. I should have robbed your mm. desk. Yeah. I know. In a measuring so. cup. Smells awesome. Yeah. Well, we're going to do things a little bit differently today. Uh, rather than having two small segments and one main event, we are going to have a lumping, a, a, a lumping, a grouping. <laughs> a lumping sounds weird. Uh, <laughs> a series of short segments uh, because there's so much happening. And, but none of these cases I felt like I could make a whole segment out of. So we're just going to do a bunch of short segments. And I think it's going to be fun. Or at least interesting. Yeah. So, I think what we'll do is kick it off with a little... Hmm, how about some WTF news? What would you do if your six-year-old was out front and came running in the house and told you that some man had just groped her and tried to kidnap her? Hmm. Well, I'm probably not a good uh, <laughs> a good example of that, you know. So, well, let's just move on. Well, what would you do? Well, I'll tell you what this little girl's parents did. Her dad jumped in the car and chased this guy down the road while calling the police and kept him in his sights long enough to get him arrested. And he told the police that he pursued him as if he had kidnapped his child because he wanted to make sure he never had the opportunity to do this to somebody else's. Yeah. It's well. really scary. This little girl was so brave. She fought him. Six years old. She fought him. She screamed and ran in the house and told her parents. The police did arrest 33-year-old Derek McPherson for this crime. This happened, uh, I believe, in Ohio. Yeah, in Ohio. So I'm going to show you... First of all, a picture of Derek. Hard yikes. Uh, drugs are bad, Derek. Drugs are bad. Holy shit. Yeah. But, Looks to me like he hasn't slept in a while, so hmm. maybe you should lay off the meth, dude. Maybe. I also have a video of the attempted kidnapping from their ring doorbell. The first clips that you'll see are slowed way down and zoomed in so that you can see what's happening. And then there's a faster version behind that. So we'll go ahead and play that.
Okay, that's probably all we need to see, but uh I want I wanted to see the video where dad comes barreling out of the house and jumps in the car. Right? We don't have that, but uh that is chilling. Mm-hmm. I mean that that was an attempt at kidnapping right there. That could have gone so differently. And the fact that it didn't, my God. But you think about all these missing kids. It makes me think about little Michael Vaughn that's missing from Fruitland, Idaho, who also seemingly went missing from his parents' front yard. How fast that could have happened. If that little girl hadn't fought and screamed, and he had managed to get her just a little ways down the road, her parents may have never seen her again or known what happened to her. It is amazing how fast that happened and how scary that is. But mom said that she has taught her kids all about stranger danger and about, uh, you know, to scream and fight if somebody tries to hurt you. And that's what she did. And that little girl saved her own life. For sure. That's just shocking. So, but. So it looks looks like they also, he must have uh, resisted arrest too, because he's also being charged with a misdemeanor on resisting arrest so oh is he yeah not so on top of the two uh third degree felonies for kidnapping or abduction and gross sexual imposition he Mm -hmm. also is facing a uh uh an additional uh unlawful restraint wow that is the damnedest thing and, oh yeah, in addition to unlawful restraint, a misdemeanor. Oh, so maybe that's a, so three charges are coming out of that. So mm-hmm. it's not, it's not police resisting arrest. It was uh, unlawful restraint. So. Well, and interestingly, it came down from a grand jury. They put that directly mm-hmm. in front of a grand jury, like immediately, and mm-hmm. got those indictments. Pretty wild. Well, let's move on to a DNA for the wind case. So often when remains of people are found, uh, their names aren't known for a really long time. And once in a rare while, those cases do get solved. And in this case, in 1985, in Elk Valley of Campbell County, uh, what state this article tells, oh, Tennessee, sorry. Uh, In Tennessee, remains were found that were determined to be of a white female between the ages of 10 and 15. Investigators did not know her identity, how she got there, anything. And they nicknamed her baby girl. And Baby Girl's case has been worked over and over again through the years, trying to learn who she is. Well, a miracle happened. In 2013, her case was revisited. It's been revisited several times over the years. In fact, in 2007, a sample of her remains was sent to the University of North Texas. and they developed a DNA profile for her and put it in CODIS and into the National Missing and Identified Persons system, hoping that they could find her identity, but it never happened. So in 2013, they tried working it again with no luck. 
early this year in 2022, the Tennessee Anthropology Department at the University of Tennessee took another sample of her remains and sent them to Othram. And you guys know, we've talked about Othram Labs a lot. They are one of the labs that has done an enormous amount of identification, cold case solving. I mean, they're just blowing our minds right and left, right? Well, Othram got on the job, and as so often happens when Othram gets on the job, they solved it. So in June, oh, and by the way, this is one of those cases that was funded from dnasolves.com. What's happening is there's a whole bunch of crowdfunding efforts happening to solve these cases. And we've talked about this before and covered this uh, in other episodes, but there are people, particularly wealthy people, who have had experiences with missing people in their lives that are really stepping up and funding some of these does to help identify them. And this was one of those cases. So her, uh, the casework for this was funded by Carla Davis. And then Carla also did the genealogical research to produce the investigative leads. So she's a part of that group that does the uh, like reverse family tree stuff. It's amazing, but she also paid for the sequencing. It's an incredible thing that people are paying for these things and doing them because it costs a lot. Like I think that we learned at one point it costs about $5,000 for the DNA work through Othram to be done. So it's a big deal. And most police departments, they just don't have it to give. And that's where some uh, extra help is coming in. So anyway, they managed to get a hit that this person would have been uh, related to people in Lafayette, Indiana. So they got some familial DNA standards that uh, put them on the track of the, who they thought her family would be. And the FBI went to Lafayette, Indiana, and talked to some people and discovered that indeed they had a missing family member. And they learned that her name is Tracy Sue Walker. Tracy was born on June 2nd, 1963. She went missing in 1978. Now what they don't know is how she ended up in Tennessee but they at least can put a face to a name and now baby girl can be laid to rest with a proper name with her family. So there are still no details out about uh, the details of her disappearance. We're waiting, we're hoping that uh, the FBI or some family members step forward and fill in some gaps, but that's what we know so far. So great job, Othram, and very happy to hear that yet another cold case has been solved. Well, not the cold ca the case. I mean, her identity has been solved, but we still yeah. don't know, you what know, happened how to she her? died, why she died, why she was not in Indiana, but she was clear in Tennessee, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. There's still a lot not known, but at least her name is known and her kin know where she ended up. Yeah. It's a start, but you're right. Right. Yeah. But at least putting an identity to it and knowing where she was at, where she should have been, you know, maybe along the line we can find somebody who knew. Yeah. Yep, for sure. All righty. That would be a blessing. Yeah. Well, how about a little 
I hate to call these all WTF cases. We won't. We'll do a little creepy crime. Weird. No, we'll do a little weird crime time. How's that? Okay. <laughs> Investigators are looking closely right now into what in the world happened in California over the weekend when three very elderly residents of a nursing home ingested and were fed or served glasses of what people thought were juice that was actually dish soap. How? How? Well, it happened, and unfortunately, a 93-year-old woman perished from that, and two other people are in the hospital due to that. And the company that owns, it's from Atria Senior Living, the company who owns Atria said, we can confirm three of our residents were recently transported to the hospital after mistakenly being served dishwashing liquid as drinking juice. We have been working with local authorities who have informed us that one resident passed away. Our sincerest condolences are with the family. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. Uh, Atria says that they are conducting an internal investigation into the incident. Was it a crime? Was it an accident? Was it a complete idiot? We don't know yet. We don't know. But... After hearing some of the other nursing home crimes that we've uh, covered over the years, it certainly perked my spidey senses, you know, to wonder, how did that possibly happen? How could you well, mistake it, dish soap for juice? And only three of them. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how many residents they have there, but I guarantee it's more than three. Right. So that means that only three of them got the special cocktail. liquid. Yeah. Yeah. Why is that? Um, yeah. Um, uh, you know, and, and saying that they've, all the employees that were involved have been suspended until the investigation concludes. Mm -hmm. Really. Sure. All of them? Mm -hmm. Definitely going to put a spotlight on this nursing home. And, you know, people... Are terrified of nursing homes unfortunately for good reason and this is one of those things not that i would ever think that this would happen but it sure did so i don't well, know and and hopefully you know it gets turned over to the police department and they say they're actively investigating you know but yeah. who knows if they will or how much they even really care but the other part of it is that the california department of social services and the ombudsman have actually got involved. So yeah, maybe yeah. they are less likely to just be blown off yeah. and actually get answers. That's probably true. That's a good point. So we'll keep an eye on that one as well. So I'm going to show you a picture of this guy right here. Do you know who this is? This is Mickey Dolenz of the Monkeys. Okay. Hey, hey, he's the monkey. He's the last one. <laughs> wow. He's the last living monkey. And he has a beef with the FBI. Uh-oh. And he wants some answers. Mickey Dolan's suing the FBI. 
kind of. Well, he and his attorney have filed a FOIA, a Freedom of Information Act, uh, lawsuit in district court on Monday. Why? Because the FBI has a file on the monkeys that they started decades ago. This is clear back when the uh, Vietnam War was happening, and these, this is one of those famous groups that were really outspoken against uh, the, the uh, Vietnam War. And because of that, they ended up under scrutiny from the FBI. They claim in their FOIA that John Lennon and the other three Beatles and Jimi Hendrix were also under surveillance by the FBI because of the things they were saying on stage and in interviews and things. And he, they have asked for these files before. And every time they have received them, they're so heavily redacted that they can't, they aren't really sure what they all say. And so now they're saying, okay, it's decades later. Everyone has now died except for Mickey. We want the whole file. We want to see everything that it says. They just want to know, like, what kind of behind-the-scenes meddling in their lives was happening? What kind of surveillance was happening to them? They weren't breaking the law. They weren't doing anything except for, you know, performing and having the nerve to have an opinion. Right. It's well, pretty I interesting. Mean, I mean, the fact of the matter is the FBI shouldn't have been doing any investigation into them if they hadn't broken a crime, you right. know, or broken a law, whether yeah. they were speaking out or not. But, mm -hmm. you know, the fact of the matter is they do. And so, yeah, what do you do? One of the things that the FBI claims in their report that they have been able to obtain they said the monkeys concert was using a device in the form of a screen set up behind the performers who played certain instruments and sang as a combo. During the concert, subliminal messages were depicted on the screen, which in the opinion of redacted, so whoever the uh, agent was, constituted a left-wing innovation of a political nature. These messages and pictures were flashed of riots in Berkeley, anti-U.S. messages on the war in Vietnam, racial riots in Selma, Alabama, and similar messages which had unfavorable responses from the audience. Huh. Yeah. Subliminal okay. messaging? Okay, sure. Okay. So when are they going to start taking down? Are the FBI investigating uh, commercials now, too? Oh, good question. This was back in the J. Edgar Hoover uh, stage that basically yeah. anybody who spoke out against the government did get a file opened. And some people should, for sure. But this is just pretty fascinating, I think. I hope they get that whole file. Uh, they've exhausted all other legal uh, attempts to get it. And so now it's uh, headed to court. Basically, it sounds like the FBI will have to comply. They're just hoping to get them to unredact the bulk of it so they can really see what this was all about. I just thought that was fascinating. 
Well, and we've seen so much, um, you know, old FBI files redacted lately that mm-hmm. it wouldn't surprise me to, you know, it's time to unredact them and let's take a look at what's there. Yeah. Yeah. So interesting. Yeah. Well, on that note, I think that it's probably time for a little more WTF. Recently, a lot of baby wipes were coming into the U.S. on a Mexico border. This is what they looked like. Does that look like packages of baby wipes to you? Maybe it does. I I haven't seen baby wipes that look like that before, but, you know. Yeah, perhaps they're about the right shape and size. It's been a long time since I bought baby wipes, but I I remember the packages being a little bigger. Maybe. Well, these were disguised to look like baby wipes when they were actually $11.8 million worth of cocaine. Wow. Yeah. It was 1,533 pounds of cocaine disguised as baby wipes. Which wow. I think is really interesting. Uh, it was a canine that picked up on it uh, coming through. It's been a practice for a long time for smugglers to use things that you would think would be completely benign, you know, like baby wipes, to smuggle things in and out of countries. Uh, to be honest, when I worked at Kmart a million years ago, we had a lady that used to steal from us by sticking things in her baby's diaper. Right. Yeah. Mother of the year right there. Uh, but a dog picked up on it. And so they dug in a little deeper to these baby wipes to discover that they weren't baby wipes at all. Hmm. Yeah. That's well, a lot of cocaine. I mean, I, I, mean, I want to be, you know, a little bit like, oh, that's so bad. But I mean, it is bad, but person that uh come up with the idea is kind of ingenious i mean well it makes you wonder how many times they've done that before and gotten away i'm sure it's not the first time that baby supplies cans of baby formula things like that that seem to just be what they are you know well and i mean like baby formula is white it is powdery and if they're sealed the proper way i mean are you gonna open every box and pull out every can probably not yeah. Yeah. Pretty interesting. Well, our last segment, uh, you don't even know about. I saved it as a special surprise oh, for you. Great. <laughs> a special surprise for all of you. Uh, I don't think you'll say thank you when this is over. Oh, great. But this is definitely creepy. <laughs> Just about a year ago, at this time, a story broke out of Pocatello, Idaho, that curled our toes and all of yours. And if you look back into our archives, and I'll, in this show description, I will put uh, some archives from the shows we did on this. The Downer Funeral Home got busted because it was full of rotting corpses. And people 
were reporting to the police that they didn't know where their loved ones were. And then when the police came to inspect and discovered that they had broken equipment, their crematorium was broken, they were supposed to be taking bodies somewhere else to have them cremated and they hadn't been. There was a, a vehicle parked in their garage that was had a many weeks old rotting corpse in it. The smell from that place was apparently smelled far and wide, but you know, nobody thought to do anything. People said they had been there for services recently and there was a horrible smell in the building. Well, this is right next door to a high school too. Mm -hmm. And kids who went to Pocatello High School said, that place smells terrible. Some of them also said that if you look in the window of, to the basement, you can see dead bodies down there and you could see rotting dead bodies down there. Like this was a really, really egregious, horrible thing. It rocked the community. But it brought people out of the woodwork wanting to know where the hell is their loved one. Usually it was people that were supposed to be cremated and they had not received their ashes back. There were a whole bunch of bodies there in different stages of decomp that then the authorities were tasked with having to figure out who they were, where their families were. There were also something like 50 uh, fetuses that turned out had come from Idaho State University from their uh, science labs that were supposed to have been cremated that had not been. There were bodies that were supposed to have been donated to ISU, to their science labs that had never been transported there. All kinds of horrors. Like if you can think of it, it was pretty much going on there. So but didn't, didn't we also find out that ISU had discontinued their contracts with them yeah, because, because of they weren't. Yeah, because of issues and because they weren't sending over their stuff. It took authorities weeks to get that place cleaned out to try to get people's loved ones, you know, to a different uh, funeral home to you know process their remains. Other funeral homes in the area stepped up big time, stepped up and held funerals, performed cremations that these people had already paid Downard Funeral Home to do, and they never did. And these other funeral homes said, hey, you know what? Don't worry about it. We're, we'll do it for you. No cost. They really stepped in and saved the day, which uh, was definitely necessary because people were absolutely horrified, as you can imagine. Well, this last year, People have been asking, and in fact, I got a message from a listener two days ago about this case saying, what the hell ever happened with that? Did they never file charges against this guy? And I said, no, they have not. And I can't believe they haven't because how the hell did he get away with this? A couple of things that happened are that a lot of people that go to his church had jumped to his defense and claimed that basically they were blaming it on the transients and the the poor people it's all the poor people's fault he's just been trying to help everybody who can't pay and he's just gotten in a pickle you know that was basically the answer well you can't do that with human remains give me a damn break anyway out of the clear blue sky today some huge news broke just a little while ago, in fact, like an hour ago, 
the Downard Funeral Home director has now been arrested and charged with 63 crimes. And prosecutors Ooh. say there are more on the way. So this, Ouch. Yeah. So this uh, gelatinous uh, lump of whitefish is Lance Peck. So Lance, uh, he's not going to escape it. However, 63 misdemeanors Mm. relating to the mortician's code of conduct. Here's the thing. Those misdemeanors have a statute of limitations. They had to get him charged within a year. So they've had to get those charges on the table. They're saying that more are coming. There have got to be some fraud charges coming considering that he defrauded a lot of people out of money. Um, also, all of the people that prepaid for funerals there that never got them and just so much. But it's a start. He's finally been arrested and charged. So he'll be arraigned later this week. And we will be all over this one. Uh, as you can imagine, we will. Of course, uh, at the time, Downard Funeral Home was closed. I kind of think it's been torn down now, actually. Uh, I'm not positive. That was what I had heard, but we'll find out for sure. The Pocatello Police Chief said, In all of my years, I have never seen a case so disturbing as this one. Our hearts go out to the family members affected by this tragic event, to the community, and to all of the officers involved. The level of horror in this case for all of the people involved that had to investigate this is just unthinkable. They have, the sheriff said that there are 88 deceased persons who have been the subject of this investigation. 88, for hell's sake. How long? How long was Lance doing this shit? It had to be longer than just that cursory look that we had last year. But it's taken them this entire year of investigation. Well, especially because, you know, there was, there was 12 rotting bodies and then the 50 fetuses in the building. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about 63 charges. Mm-hmm. Well, but there was so, a I mean, lot of cremains, more... too. A lot of cremains that uh, were unidentified. Right. Not labeled. Right. There are so, still I mean, people from the area who say that they still don't know where their loved one is. In fact, a girl commented not too long ago on our initial story and said that she has still not been able to locate her brother. It's been a year. In, in March, Jennifer, yeah, in March, there was a woman who had been trying for seven months to find the. Uh, the remains or whatever of her mm-hmm. husband. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's an absolutely unthinkable case. So I am so happy to see that Lance has finally been arrested. He deserves that. And the people who have had to bear the horror of this whole case, they deserve some justice. These families deserve justice. When you lose someone, that is hard enough. But then you take them or or you send them to a funeral home that you trust, that you think is going to do right by them. And the idea that they aren't or didn't, my God, it's just unthinkable to me. So very glad to see it. Uh, Lance, you deserve every bit of this. And I hope there's some felonies on the heels of this. However, 
Misdemeanors are misdemeanors because the charges are typically less than a year. Felonies are typically felonies because the charges are more than a year. Well, 66 misdemeanors could put old Lance in prison for a while, and I sure as hell hope they do. <laughs> I hope so, too. I mean, that's, unfortunately, that's just the most disturbing thing, you know. Every time I hear this story, it just makes me sick. So, I'm glad actually, you didn't warn me beforehand. I know. I didn't I probably you. wouldn't have come on here with you. Sorry for the ambush. I was actually at a funeral home last night at a viewing for a cousin. And I felt like I could smell. You couldn't. I even said to my sister, I can't, you can't smell any like bodies in here, right? <laughs> <laughs> She's like, nope, it just smells like flowers in here. And I went, yeah, okay. Because I'm a little traumatized by the whole uh, downward funeral home story. And oh, here we are. So we'll definitely keep an eye on that. We will be updating this case a bunch because uh, we want to. Yep, that's going to happen. So that's it. That's what we've got today. We are, we'll be back tonight at 7 Mountain for case updates. And there's a bunch. Come find out why Ghislaine Maxwell's attorneys are suing her. Sucks to suck, Ghislaine. Sucks to suck. I'll tell you all mm -hmm. about it tonight. Scott, thank you for coming back for round two. I appreciate you very much. After round one, our listeners said, yeah, he has to come back. Yeah. So thanks for well, doing it. Okay. Just well, this one time. Okay, fine. Or some other time if I'm going to jam. I know. You're a good guy that way. I can usually talk you into stuff. So, yeah. Of course, now you're going to want to know if there's anything to do with uh, Downward Funeral Home. <laughs> exactly. Before I come on, I'm like, uh, I need to know what's going on here first. Mm -hmm. I have been way down the rabbit hole of researching a local murder that happened when I was a kid that I had some memories come up of recently uh, about it. my parents talking about it and knowing the people involved and... I started researching it and learned a lot of things I didn't know. And that turned me on to another local murder that happened when I was a kid that uh, also brought some memories back that I had forgotten about. So those are going to be coming up next week. A couple of interesting local to me, uh, Idaho murders that happened in the 80s that uh, I'm finding some really inf interesting information about, uh, mostly through newspaper archives. It's been a trip. There's not a lot published about either of these. So filling in the gaps where I can, and also sometimes talking to locals that would remember better than me. So that's going to be interesting. Looks like uh, the Downer Funeral Home is still there as of right, as of the last time, you know, Google Earth did a sweep of okay. the area in 2022. So they haven't tore it oh. down yet. I it's know closed. that it, it, but, it's closed and, and yeah. it does, it has been sold it had been sold before all of this happened um mm -hmm. to the school district um yeah. so it will be eventually tore down but i'm yeah. guessing until the investigation is done they won't tear it down oh that's probably true that's a good point yeah so, all righty guys well thanks so much for being here we're gonna jet and be back later tonight so this has been yet another production of the true crime squad take care bye-bye Thank you.